Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and producer of Knenitsa, The Well, a podcast series about interesting and noteworthy Ukrainians from around the globe. Today is Thursday, August 31st, 2023. This episode is produced for The Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper that has been published in English for the global Ukrainian community since 1933. Our guest today is Mark Tanitsky, who is a, re- a freelance journalist covering Eurasian affairs and European energy security matters. Welcome, Mark. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me. How are you? Very good. And thank you so much for joining us today on Kodinitsia. To start off with, if you can give our audience some information about your professional and educational background, that would be great. Certainly. So like many members of the Ukrainian diaspora, my grandparents came over after World War II. They fled the Soviet Union and then they arrived in the United States in the 1950s. And I'm very thankful that despite McCarthyism at the time where there was the Red Scare and very unpopular being from the Soviet Union, my grandparents kept their Ukrainian traditions and heritage and language. So they passed along to my parents, parents passed along to me. So being Ukrainian is my entire life. Ukrainian, even though I was born in the United States, was my first language until I was five. So I, I went to Ukrainian immersion school, Ukrainian scouts, which I'm still involved in today. I, I go to the Ukrainian Catholic Church every week, and it's just very part of my life. And now with the war, I'm very involved with Razum for Ukraine, the organization that's doing a lot of good work. And because of my Ukrainianness, I studied this in both college and graduate school. I went to Lemoyne College, where I had a bachelor in history with departmental honors, where I studied a lot about Eurasia, specifically Russia and its relationship with the European Union and NATO and the United States and then its neighboring countries. And then in graduate school, I went to the Maxwell School at Syracuse, where I earned a public administration and international relations degree. (laughs) Because one master is not enough, so you have to do two, right? And for that, I was fortunate. I actually got to live in Kiev and I worked as a parliamentary aide for the Committee of Foreign Affairs. So it was a very worthwhile and rewarding experience because you learn a lot about this country of your ancestors and the language and and you are one of these people. But actually living there and being involved for a little bit of the system was, was a very great experience. And a result of that, when I was in college, is when Yevromaidan began, and then eventually the first Russian invasion in 2014, and then now, of course, the second one that occurred last year that is still ongoing. And a life goal of mine has always been to promote not just Ukraine, but other countries within that area in Eurasia and try to inform Westerners, why do these people matter? What can be done? Because I'm very privileged that many of my family, friends, and I have several opportunities here and why can't our people back home have similar opportunities as well? You know, the average monthly salary in Ukraine is something like $450 US, which is very hard to sustain yourself if you're competing against other European Union countries. And why is that the case? So something I'm trying to do is educate and inform people about these regions. So, and at the end of the day, we're all people. We all wanna be able to sustain ourselves and and create a greater, greater global society. Mark, the destruction of the Nova Khachovka Dam by Russian forces in the Kherson region of southern Ukraine on June 5th this year has been characterized as catastrophic. Why is this event so significant in the war? 
So the Novokohovka Dam is based in southern Ukraine, and that reservoir is used to send water to Crimea as well as to the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. As well, because of the reservoir that's there, a lot of that farmland is very, very good. That helps Ukrainians create and grow wheat and other forms of agricultural products. So when the dam was destroyed, it flooded a lot of these farmlands and crop areas. And, And the damage was so significant that internationally, the price for wheat went up by 2%. Now, some people may think, you know, 2% is very minimal, but it, but in, this just shows that this is not just Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This, there are global consequences of anything that the Russians do. And some experts predict that it'll take three to five years before the farmland is usable again, which is a significant amount of time. And the United Nations has reported on, on several occasions, Ukraine sends a lot of wheat and other agricultural goods globally, but Africa and the Middle East are large consumers of of Ukrainian goods. And the United Nations has said something like 40 million people are are dealing with the food global crisis as a result of Russia's actions. So very significant consequences. Was the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant directly impacted by the destruction of this dam? Or is it going to be more of a long-term situation? So I am in contact with the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense, and and they were explaining that the reservoir helps send water for cooling purposes for the plant. And the reservoir water levels are declining drastically, which makes the power plant unstable because you can't do the, the cooling process well. In addition to the dam being destroyed, of course, there have been reports throughout the war that the Russians have been shelling the power plant and and it's damaged. Members of the International Atomic Group have been sent to monitor the situation. And there are now reports that they even can't get direct access to the site because the Russians have blocked them off. And then most recently, President Zelensky said back in June that the Russians have been putting mines and explosives inside and around the plant. And this could lead to a very catastrophic situation that Foreign Minister Kuleba of Ukraine has said would be 10 times greater than the Chernobyl disaster. So what will be the impact of the Khachovka Dam destruction on agriculture and the overall economy in southern Ukraine? So as I mentioned, global wheat prices went up by 2%. And in addition to the dam being destroyed, the Russians have just done a lot of agricultural warfare throughout the country. So not only the flooding of dams, they've been shelling plants, factories, etc., and chemicals are leaking out of these plants and it contaminates the water, which then it can't be used for crops. There's also been reports that the Russians are stealing grain from the country. And there's, of course, the blockade on the Black Sea, so it's preventing grain from leaving Ukraine to be dispersed throughout the world, and, and the Russians are monitoring that. And then, of course, the Russians have been posting videos on social media, thinking that it's funny burning down wheat fields and other forms of crop. So the economy of Ukraine has been significantly impacted. Agriculture and ecosystems have been destroyed, and, and these have international consequences. And would you say this is part of an overall effort by Russia to do ecological warfare in Ukraine? I would say yes. There are 
reports when when Ukraine first was invaded, the Russians made large advancements, and then in the spring of last year, the Ukrainians forced the Russians out entirely in northern Ukraine, which started to show the international community that the Ukrainians are not only have great resilience and capabilities to defend their country, but they are now making advancements. And Russia, as a result, over the past 19 months now, has been losing more and more territory that it previously gained as Ukrainians are forcing the Russians out of their country. And realizing that they're losing the war, the Russians are now targeting civilian areas, they're destroying the, the country. And one mechanism is to do these ecological attacks, because if, I, I think if, if the Russians believe that they can't actually win the war by gaining territory, then they're just trying to destroy the Ukrainian nation as a whole. And what do you think the long-term impact is of the Khachovka Dam destruction? How might it affect global food supplies going forward? Several villages were destroyed and flooded as a result of that. So it's led to more displacement of Ukrainians. In addition, uh, one-fourth of the entire country uh, is displaced, which is important. And this has only made that situation worse. And on top of that, as I mentioned earlier, the United Nations has said that there's a global food crisis because of what Russia is doing in Ukraine. And millions of people are, are growing hungry and destroying perfectly good farmland only makes that situation worse because that means supply and demand. Less food is available, prices will continue to rise. And in addition to global inflation, it's just making the situation worse. And unfortunately, experts believe that this will take several years before it is finally resolved. And is there any serious discussion at this point about rebuilding the dam? And if so, how long do you believe it might take? What would be the cost? And where would the funds come from? And also, who would be involved in rebuilding the dam? So deputy head of the office of the president of Ukraine, Rostislav Shurma, recently commented on this with a Canadian news outlet saying that, unfortunately, at this time, it is not a priority for them to rebuild, partially because Ukraine's economy has been severely impacted, not just by the war, but because of trying to recover from the COVID pandemic. And... That, unfortunately, is, is the reality, is Ukraine has to determine how it's using its resources while it continues to defend its country. And eventually, they will work on other ways to improve and rebuild infrastructure. But rebuilding the dam is one of those items that is not seen as a key priority item at this time. And I'm not sure how they would go about rebuilding the dam with the funds. I know that United 24, an initiative started by President Zelensky, there's a large effort for rebuilding purposes, and perhaps that initiative will be involved in raising money globally. But at this time, they have not discussed, the Ukrainian government being they, have, have not discussed how they will rebuild the dam and what that time frame would look like. Mark, we're almost out of time, but I did want to ask you a final question. Has there been much coverage of this event in Western media? And do you think in the international community is really concerned about the long-term negative consequences of this event? Unfortunately, I think not. And when, when the dam occurred, the destruction, international media wrote about it. They had news segments, and then the news cycle continued. 
And I think that that's missed because we are now entering the 19th month of the war. Many international observers still don't entirely understand what the significance is of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And I think that that was missed because, as we've discussed, Ukraine provides 10% of the world's global wheat production. That's that's massive for a country that has that much significance around the world. And as, as we've stated, there's a global food crisis and Russia's invasion is not just an invasion on Ukraine. It's an, it's an attack on many other people around the world. And I think that the world still needs to emphasize the significance of the war and, and the consequences because otherwise... Russia will be able to continue doing as it pleases and, and people will think that, oh, well, that's a country very far away. I don't have any significance or anything like that. And, and, and that's a bad way of looking at these things. Mark, I want to thank you for joining us today on Krenitsia. Thank you for having me. I hope you have a great weekend. I have been speaking with Mark Tamnitsky who is an accredited freelance journalist covering Eurasian affairs and European energy security matters. And this is Mike Burek, your host and the producer of Krenitsia the Well, a podcast series about interesting and noteworthy Ukrainians from around the globe. It has been produced today for The Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper published in English for the global Ukrainian community since 1933. Until next time, that's all for now.